really Rabbi Moshe Nachman Lafiner. He he came to the Rebbe uh, after the Holocaust, and he told the Rebbe all different things that had happened to him, and he um, speaking to the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says to him that you lost your faith in Hashem in the Holocaust. He was very insulted. And he tells the Rebbe, prove that to me. I'm not leaving your office till you prove to me I've lost my faith in Hashem. It's not true. The Rebbe said it happens to a person that when they go through a challenge, it can weaken their faith. And uh, you haven't mentioned Hashem's name in your whole description of all different miracles that happened to you since you survived. You haven't uh, mentioned anything that, about Hashem, just that this happened, that happened. You didn't say Hashem made it happen. So they said it could happen, and what needs to happen now in order for, to help strengthen your faith is, faith is you have to see a lot of miracles. When you see miracles, this will help you. Never start giving him blessings. Probably worth it for him to, to uh, <laughs> lose his amuna in order to uh, get all these blessings. Anyways, but they never start pouring blessings on him. And then at one point, um, he tells the Rebbe that he has very bad eczema in his arms. He asked him for rough for the eczema. The Rebbe said, for that, you should call me on the third day of Sivan. He calls the Rebbe's office on the third day of Sivan, and the Rebbe asks him on the phone with the secretary, I'm not sure, um, do you know what happened to all the Jews who were blind, who were deaf, who were lame, or any ailment before the Torah was given on the third day of Sivan, the three days of preparation to receive the Torah? So he guessed that they got better, and the Rebbe said, yes, and the same thing should happen with you. You should wash your hands with warm water. Wash his hands with warm water, and that was a miraculous cure, and that's how he got better. So it's a, uh, the holiday of Shuas is a holiday which is not just a holiday, it's a source of, of all, everything that we do comes from the Torah, and not just things that we do, but the source of our life itself. The Torah is called our life. And when the Torah was given, not only did those who were sick got better, but the, the, the ocean didn't wave when the Torah was given. The, um, the birds didn't chirp. The angels couldn't sing. The whole world was completely quiet when the Torah was given. Those who were impure became pure. Everything was totally focused on, on Hashem's voice when the Torah was given. And everything was just good. And despite it being such an amazing event, and it's the source of everything that we do, unusually, the Torah doesn't talk about it. The Torah doesn't say one word about celebrating the holiday of the giving of the Torah. What the Torah does say is, 49 days after Passover, then you should celebrate the holiday of Shavuos. It doesn't say the holiday of the giving of the Torah. The holiday of Shavuos, literally, in Iran, they called uh, Shavuos Moed de Gol, which means the flower holiday, because they, people put out flowers to commemorate how Mount Sinai, which made this mountain in the middle of the desert to be suddenly full of flowers. People get flowers in the honor of the Yontif. Some synagogues have lots of flowers in, the, in honor of Shavuos. But... Um, uh, there is um, there is no explicit mention of Shavuos. It happens to be, uh, there is a mention of Shavuos, which means literally means weeks. That's a little translation of the word. We're celebrating the 50th day. That's what it's about on the surface. In fact, there's a discussion about whether or not you should celebrate the holiday of Shavuos um, on a different day than the giving of the Torah, the Talmud has different opinions. What day of Torah was given? Was it given on the sixth day of Sivan or the seventh day of Sivan? It's not so clear if it was actually the same day. It happens to be that there's a connection, and we celebrate the Holocaust on the day the Torah was given. But there's no 
doesn't say that in the Torah. The Torah doesn't mention the holiday of the giving of the Torah. You think it's the biggest thing ever. We have holidays for, for many smaller events. And yet the Torah doesn't mention anything about the holiday of the giving of the Torah. It happens to be the holiday of the giving of the Torah is the holiday of Shavuos. But it doesn't say that. It doesn't say anywhere in the Torah that you should celebrate the day that God gave us the Torah. And the question is, why not? There was this um, lawyer who converted to Judaism. One of the things that really inspired him was that uh, he came into a synagogue on Simchas Torah. He sees everyone dancing with the Torah. He's linking, you know, he was a lawyer. No one dances with the with the laws of, of, of Belgium and the laws of France and the laws of the United States. No one's holding the Constitution and dancing. But here we're dancing with the Torah. That says something different about this. This is something something else. What is this about the Torah that people celebrate? And he realized that the Torah is something different. That's what motivated him to, to convert to Judaism. When Moshe Rabbeinu went to Mount Sinai, went up to heaven to get the Torah, so famously um, the uh, angels said to God that why should the human being get the Torah? Um, and the Medrash um, says that God told Moshe to respond to the angels. And he said that um, give, there's a parable in the Medrash to explain why gave, God gave the Torah to the Jewish people. Um, parable is of a king who had, um, let's remember the parable a second, one second. Um, if I remember correctly, the king wanted someone to, um, he wanted someone to, um, hold on, hold on, one second, going back, short term to long term, we're getting there, one second. Um, Okay, left, sorry. Uh, the, the analog of the parable is, the, the God told the angels, you cannot be the ones to receive the Torah because you have all blemishes. You're, you are missing something. You're blemished. You're not whole. The Jewish people can receive the Torah, but you can't receive the Torah because you are blemished. So what does that mean? And second of all, why can we both get the Torah? And there's enough to go around, right? The Torah is infinite. Why can't they get the Torah? We'll also get the Torah. Why does God have to choose to give us the Torah and not give them the Torah? And the answer really is that the, the discussion about whether we should see the Torah, they should see the Torah, isn't really the, the discussion. There's no real, real, real argument about who should get the Torah. The argument really is, what is Torah? The angels were saying that Torah should be something that's given to us, and Moses responded to them and said, no, the Torah should be given to the Jewish people. So the question wasn't about who should get it, but the question was about what, what it really is. There are some people that classify Torah as like a manual to live. There's a world, there's people, and the Torah solves issues. The Torah tells us in every situation what is the right way of approaching any situation. Every appliance you buy, you buy a, a, a refrigerator, it comes with a, an instruction manual, you buy an oven, there's an instruction manual. The world, what's instruction manual to know how to run in the world, how to make the how to how to live in the world? So Torah is an instruction manual that tells you how to live in the world. Lots of people classify the Torah. But the Talmud actually has a whole different word, not the word instruction manual, something far deeper, because if you call the the Torah instruction manual, so what's the main thing? The main thing is the world. The main thing is the refrigerator. The main thing is the oven. And you just have an instruction manual to know how to use the oven. But the goal is the oven. The goal is the refrigerator. 
the language that the the uh, Medrash uses to describe the, the the Torah is what's the Torah, what does Medrash use? I don't remember. Go on, you guys remember? No. What's the what's the how does the Medrash classify what Torah is? What is the Torah? Is a king who needed to do something, he needed to build something, he needed to build a beautiful palace, and therefore, what did he do before he built a beautiful palace? He made a insane blueprint. Very good, excellent. So he made a blueprint. So what's the difference between the word between the word blueprint and the word manual? So again, ma- manual is just about how to use something. A blueprint is something else. A blueprint is you know, why do you need a blueprint? Well, we would need a blueprint to uh, build a house because if you just built a house spontaneously and say here should be the kitchen, here should be the light living room, here should be the dining room, so you're going to end up making a lot of mistakes because you make the living room too big and the dining room too small, and you forget to make the restroom and you're going to make the the bedroom and it, all kinds of issues could crop up. If you don't have a a clear plan of how to how to build a home, so you have to have. If you're building a home, you have to know where everything should be. You can't build it spontaneously. It's bound. There's bound to be many many issues if you build something spontaneously. That's all for us. But Hashem is perfect, and He knows everything before He does it. So the question is, why does He need a blueprint? We need a blueprint. It makes sense. We need a blueprint. We know what to do, and we need to make sure that there's no mistakes. But God is perfect, and God knows everything. So why did he need to make a blueprint? So the answer is, a blueprint has another deeper meaning. The blueprint is not just for uh, to know how large something should be, how small something should be, and to make sure that you make it correctly. A blueprint also classifies what that thing is about. When you want to build a home, you make the blueprint to know what's your goal in that home. You make, want to make, let's say, a school. So you make a blueprint to know what should that school be like? What, what, should, what should be the function of the school? When you make the blueprint, you're thinking not just about how that place should be run, but what is its purpose in the first place? The goal of a blueprint is to classify and to establish and to crystallize what is the goal of this whole thing. So when we say that the Torah is called the blueprint for creation, it's not that God needs to know how to build the world. It's rather God is putting in the Torah the whole point of what the world is about. So... It works something like this. It's not that the Torah tells us what to do with our things. The Torah tells us what to do with our money, what to do with our, 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 our uh, energy, what to do with our, our, how, to, how to run our household. The Torah is, is, is it's quite the opposite. There's a mitzvah. There's a mitzvah to give tzedakah. There's a mitzvah to put on film. There's a mitzvah to keep Shabbos. And because there's a mitzvah to give tzedakah, that's why Hashem created money. Because there's a mitzvah to put on film, that's why God created an arm and, and, and a head. Because there's a mitzvah not to eat pig, so God created create a pig in order for us to be able to do the mitzvah of not eating pig. So it's not that first there is a world, and then God tells us the rules of how to live in the world. It's the opposite. First there is a Torah, and the Torah tells us what life is about. And because there is, there is a Torah, therefore God made the world in sync with the goal of, of the Torah. In order to fulfill Torah, there's a world. The, the world is here just to reveal Hashem's holiness and to reveal Hashem's light, as the Torah tells us. If you follow, you follow the difference, yeah. two people find a wallet, and they, and they pick up the wallet at the same time. The Torah says, "What's halacha?" Two people pick, pick, pick up a wallet at the same time. Halacha is they must divide the contents of the wallet. They have to divide the what, what they found. Now, why couldn't God arrange things so that each person finds? Half of let's say there's five hundred dollars in the wallet. Instead of them both picking up at the same time and dividing it two fifty each, 
Why couldn't God establish a different order in creation that each one should find 250? Why did God have to make it? They both picked up the wall at the same time. They have to go to the rabbi. And the rabbi says, the halacha is, he picked it up at the same time, it's divided. Why did it have to happen that way? The reason it had to happen that way is because the whole point of them discovering the wallet was to reveal in the world the will of Hashem, the halacha of Hashem. The halacha of Hashem is what the point of the world exists for. So they found the wallet to reveal God's will and creation so that the halacha should say, this is what should happen with the wallet. So it wasn't at first there was the wallet and they found it. It was the opposite. First there's Allah and Teira. Hashem expresses will in the Talmud. And in order for that, the, the, those words in the Talmud to have, find fruition in creation, therefore Hashem caused these people to pick up the wallet at the same time. It sounds so counterintuitive to what we're, what we're thinking, what you naturally think, but, but this is the truth, that the Torah is called the blueprint of creation. It's here before the world. It, it, the, 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 the world wasn't the first thing. The first thing was Teira. There was a... Um, a father and son who really didn't get along and the son said I'm not going to say kosh my father and the father hurt me and did all kinds of things to me he's a horrible person a friend of mine uh, someone said came to my friend he says my dad didn't do anything good in his life I never, why should I honor him I, I, he said he didn't, well, he didn't do anything and nothing good nothing good look in the mirror he did something good you know but this guy came to the Rebbe and he's saying to the Rebbe that he can't honor his father. There is a, a, a guideline in Torah about honoring parents. You have to honor your parents if they're not um, contradiction to your existence. So if you're going to your, your father and he's beating you up, so you don't have to go, you don't have to go visit your father. But uh, otherwise, there is a mitzvah to honor your parents. And so this guy had a hard time with this mitzvah because of all the things his father did to him. So he came to the Rebbe. And the Rebbe said to him, let me ask you a question. Why is it that God created you through a father and mother? Why couldn't God create you like he created Adam? Why couldn't he just God just form you from the earth like he created Adam? I don't know. So I said, the whole entire reason that God created you from parents is just an order you should have the mitzvah honoring your parents. That's why God created you that way. The reason God created you this way was because there's a mitzvah to honor parents. It's not that first you created it and then you have parents. And therefore, Torah says to honor, you have to honor your parents. The whole reason you were born this way is because God wanted to give you the mitzvah of honoring parents. Which is not really an easy mitzvah. Like the Abayi in the Talmud says that uh, he's happy, unfortunately, that he didn't see his parents because it's a really an infinite mitzvah. One of the mitzvahs the Torah promises a long life for is honoring your parents because the hardest thing to do is to honor your parents because it takes up so much time. It's a constant, it's a constant uh, effort, especially as parents grow older. As the uh, saying goes in Europe, they would say, one father and mother can take care of 10 children, but 10 children have a hard time taking care of one parent. Anyways, but, so the Torah promises long life and says to you, don't, don't worry, whatever you give to your parents, you're not, not, not going to lose out on it, so it's going to come back to you. Anyway, so, so, so what, something about the Rebbe said to him, it's an amazing concept the Rebbe said to him, they said to him, it's not that you have to honor your parents, the reason you're born is that, through parents, so you should have this mitzvah, which parenthetically, one of the themes of the mitzvah of honoring parents is, is the mitzvah, is the theme of gratitude. In other words, each mitzvah has a certain spiritual benefit it gives us. In the midst of honoring our parents, it gives us this, this feeling of gratitude in general. That's the theme, it's a point of what that mitzvah gives us in our, in, our, in our persona. So every generation has different kinds of, uh, I shouldn't say every generation, every, every few years, or I shouldn't say every few years, every few months, every few days, new machines, new technology comes out, and new kinds of challenges as Rabbi Shachat and Shashiva in the in, in the Rochan says, every five years, he said this a few years ago, it's probably faster, 
Every five years, he says, he sees a new generation of, 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 of uh, children. He's, he's been educating high school uh, guys since for, for, for decades and decades. He says, every five years, a whole new, new generation. A new generation because of the kind of technology, the kind of world that they're living in. And it's just getting faster. And so the Torah gives us instruction and tells us what it's all for and how, and how to live with it and what, what the point of it is. This woman uh, came to Raymanus Friedman and she asked Manus Friedman, she asked him, Am I allowed to wear A, B, and C? This is a kosher thing to wear. He said to her, it's a foolish question to ask. It's a foolish question. It's my question. He said, you shouldn't ask the question. I told you that last week, right? No. no. Uh, he, 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 I, 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 he said to her, that's a foolish question. Why is it a foolish question? He says, don't ask, what are you allowed to wear? Ask what you should wear. Instead of asking the question, how far can I go, and, and, and not to get zapped, not to get burnt, ask a different question. Ask what's the whole point of clothing in the first place and and how is the best way of dressing according to Torah what are clothes what is clothing for and then you can figure out wh- how you should dress and start from the beginning St- think about the whole point of, of of where you're going think about the the uh, as a Sheshara cat said right you said to Alice she said to Alice uh, think about where you're going and then you'll know then you'll get there so instead of asking what sh- are you allowed to wear ask what should you wear so everything in the world is here for that. And every experience we have is here to fulfill Hashem's will. There was a, a king who was a, uh, a um, artist. And he had a son who could not put any colors together. And he was colorblind. And he hired the best uh, artist to teach his son. No one could teach his son. He's colorblind. And finally, the king found some guy Yankel, Yankel says, your son colors, no problem, I'll teach him how to be an artist. And sure enough, Yankel teaches the king's son to, to draw, and, and, and to draw artwork, and, and, and the king makes a, big, he makes a big celebration, and everyone comes to see that the king's son, the prince, is actually following his father's footsteps, and he's drawing, and he draws it red, and blue, and yellow, and green, and it comes out a beautiful, drawing of a tie, wow, and then the king says, can we do this again? He says, yes, Yankel's very confident in his student, do this again, and, and he does this again. But how do you do it? It was, he made, he etched in the, uh, in the canvas uh, colors, and um, uh, numbers, he put numbers on the paints, and the boy knew, the prince knew that, that this, this, this is number three, this is number four, this is number five, you have to paint color by number. So, but this boy started getting a little cocky. He's doing so well. This color, that color, pfft. I need to have the. I need to listen to their instructions. I have my own ideas, and one day he doesn't do listen to their the, the instructions, and it doesn't come out. It comes out kaper. It comes out terrible. In a similar way, Hashem tells us, you know what you're supposed to do a Friday evening at seven twenty-four this week. Seven twenty-four. Like you, you couldn't figure out a more round number. No, seven twenty-four. Actually, I never realized this, but I'm sure you all did. But I never realized this. The time of candlelighting is actually. After the time, you're supposed to light Shabbos candles. You're supposed to light candles before 724. It's not like you're supposed to light candles at 724. It's more like by 724, light Shabbos candles. You guys know that, right? In the New York Times article that the Lubavitch pays for, it always says, um, light Shabbos candles by this time. It's probably, that was that language was probably edited by the Rebbe. Anyways, that's, that's the okay, end of the commercial about Shabbos candles. But Hashem tells us to do things at certain times. He tells us on next Monday morning, come hear the Ten Commandments. And uh, after that, eat cheesecake. Don't eat cheesecake on Saturday. No, Saturday you have to eat chon. But on Monday you should eat cheesecake. So we don't 
really know what we're doing. We have no idea. You know, I, I, we could eat cheesecake today and tomorrow and the next day. And, and we, we, if we had a religion of you know the cheesecake eaters, I'm sure we'll find a lot of more people joining us. But uh, but but we don't. We have this day is for cheesecake. This day is for cholent, and and we have no idea. We don't see what's going on. We don't see the light of Hashem that comes down to the world. We say a bracha We don't see what happens. As you said, chapter twenty-two and chapter twenty-four and chapter twenty-five and Tehillim was the, the rabbi said we should say these psalms at this amount. We have no idea what we're doing. But what happens is, is that you go and use open your tefillin and you light your Shabbos candles and I put on my tefillin. What happens is that all this together, what what is what, what's created? It's created this beautiful, beautiful painting. And that's the whole purpose of creation. And that's why Hashem puts every person in the world to add their colors to this beautiful painting that God is making. That's what the word halacha. Halacha is an acronym for the words Hariu la Hashem kolar. It says Hariu of sing to God all the world. Everything in the world has its notes. And the note is the halacha. And through the whole notes of all, everyone keeping the halachas, wherever they are, whatever they're doing, that creates this grand symphony of creation. That, that's what Mashiach is about. But what happens is, is that because, because we don't see things, we cannot ex- easily make a mistake and think it's not so important. You know what? I'll go to Shul this year. I, I went to Shul last year for Shul. It was, it was little. The rabbi said it's going to start at 1115, then start at 145. I'm not going there this year. It was just, just, just not worth it. And they said they're going to have cheesecake. It wasn't cheesecake. It was, it was, I, I, it's just not worth it. And it was, it was all done before I got there. And, and that's how it is. This is really how it is. We really look at this this way because we're first and foremost, uh, first and foremost, but our natural reality is physical. And therefore, we look at things like the blind, like the prince who is colorblind. That's how we see the world. Therefore, we, therefore we make all kinds of calculations which, which aren't really real. Do you know, I just heard this today. I never knew this before. Do you know how penicillin was discovered? You heard about this penicillin? No. Well, this guy named Alexander, last name, Fleming? Yeah, Alexander Fleming. So he was... He was. Uh, he went and he was a scientist, and he comes back from a vacation. He comes back to his laboratory, and they have, he has these petri dishes. And there's different. He's, he was doing a, a, a study on on um, on mold, and and he discovered in one of the petri dishes that there was there was some some um, uh, some some I don't know what he discovered, but anyway, either way, he discovered. That the mo- that the was it was not virus. What's the word? It's not a virus. It's a bacteria. Very good. Thank you. The bacteria in one of the petri dishes wasn't spreading. Why wasn't it spreading? Because the mold was killing it, and that's how pen. And the name of the mold was something called penicillin, and therefore we have penicillin. Of course, there was a Jew involved later, and it made it and 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 because uh, that's how things happen. But 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 think about it. He could have looked at the situation and he could have said, whatever, you know, there's a mess, there's a mess. He walked in, there was a mess. But he didn't walk and say, there's a mess. He said, I'm here. And this, this answer. And if, imagine he wouldn't have taken that opportunity. Imagine he wouldn't have thought what this is about. And that's what the, the power of Torah is. Torah is called the Torah of light, the Torah of life. The Torah is, gives us this, this, this direction, everything. What's the color? What is what is the most beautiful thing to do right now? What's the most precious thing to do right now? That's that's what the Torah is. The Torah is called instruction. There are many sciences out there, but no no science, no philosophy tells you you have to do this. Especially not in our culture, you know, you get crucified. You say you have to do this, but the Torah says no. You have to do this. You have to do that. That's that's that that's what the Torah is. The Torah tells us what the opportunities are in every situation.
a friend of mine, um, unfortunately, he was estranged from his son, and um, and just because of the event that happened last uh, week, with Lag, two weeks ago with Lag Beimer, he, he and his son started having conversation. The, the, the son wanted to know what it means. He asked his father, and there was there, there, and he wanted to hear what the Torah has to say. And it, it created, and the father was so emotional that his son's talking to him. And the reason he was talking to him, what created that connection was that he had something to share with him from the Torah about what is going on in the world, and that, that made a connection. So the Torah gives us this ability to always create something new in every situation. There's always a, a point and always a meaning in every experience, that, that, and that's why you're there. And that's why there's no date in the Torah when the Torah was given, because it's not about a certain date. It's, if there was a date in the Torah when the Torah was given, you would think, ah, this is Torah day. This is not Torah day. This is Torah place. This is not Torah place. Torah was not given in a, a very specific holy place. It's given somewhere in the desert. We don't even know exactly where Torah was given. Torah was given on any certain day. It was Mount Sinai. So this mountain in the desert, Mount Sinai. Is it this mountain? Is it that mountain? There are no signs there. Oh, this is the to- mountain. The mountain the Torah was given on. You would think like we would have like like a whole like like I once visited the uh, Leaning Tower of Pisa. You know, Leaning Tower of Pisa is it's like five hundred Kodak shops all around it, and <laughs> they're all selling exactly the same stuff. And there's a and there's a tower that's like little like that. You would think that the, the, the Mount Sinai. <laughs> It's all this. We try like for two hours to get to the lead tower. He's like, what is this? What is it? So you would think Mount Sinai means something similar. You think with like, like 5,000 Kodak shops around it. No, no one even knows. Why? Because it's not about the place. It's not. That's why it doesn't say in the Torah what day it was given. Because you shouldn't think it's a certain day. Today is the day of the Torah. Tomorrow is the day of the Torah. Yesterday is the day of the Torah. This moment is a moment that God gave me the Torah. And he has instruction, instruction for me of what I'm, what I'm supposed to be doing. And now we can understand why God couldn't have given two Torahs, one for the angels and one for us. The, the question again isn't who should get the Torah. The question is, what is Torah? The angels thought, what's Torah? Torah is a holy, abstract experience. Torah is about connection and intimacy with Hashem in a very beautiful, holy way. And the angels wanted to have that. But that's not what Torah really is. Torah is only given in the world to elevate and purify and transform darkness of this world to light. That's what the Torah is. That's where you get the Torah. The Torah can only is only given to us. So I think this year is very significant. This year is the 3,333rd anniversary of giving the Torah. When God gave us the Torah, it says that there were many threes involved. The Torah is called a book of three. The Jewish people called a people of three. It was given on the third day of waiting. It's given in the third month since uh, leaving Mitzrayim. There are many threes associated with Torah. And this year... There is even more. It's it's a three thousand three hundred thirty third year since the Torah was given. We would have a tongue twister. I did pretty good. No, anyway. So, 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 what's the meaning of three? What's the meaning of three? One represents truth, truth, singular, unadulterated, pure truth. Two represents fragmentation, represents confusion. What's three? Three is go to the place of fragmentation, confusion, and in that place of division, in the place which is not angelic, and there make God's light come bring god's light there that's what torah is torah is about three there was um, a uh, ridge in berlin that uh Shemoy, that uh, was very connected to nazis nazi regime and they made this beautiful um park germany made this beautiful park as a, to a and a museum and a park all right right outside um this this uh, this right next to this bridge to commemorate the Holocaust, and they hired um, all different kinds of architects. The government gave $25 million 
to build this beautiful park. And they ask all different kinds of architects to come forward and to present their idea, what should we do in this beautiful park, this huge area outside of this, 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 this the Berlin, um, this, this field next to this bridge in Berlin, what should we do there? And there were all kinds of people that came forward. It wasn't just, you know, whose idea is best. It's also like, you know, the prestige. It's a huge place which many, many people pass every day. Who is going to have the credit of, of creating this amazing space? And one man won. He, what he decided to do over there was he wanted to commemorate the Holocaust. He created this sort of like graveyard kind of experience where he has a bunch of um, concrete slabs of all different sizes throughout this whole park. And it looks somewhat like a, a graveyard and, and represents the idea of confusion and dysfunction. And that's what he did. And someone was bored enough to count how many slabs of concrete of all different shapes, shapes and sizes there are in this in this park. And they came out with the calculation. This was... Um, uh, this this uh, Peter Eisman, for whatever reason, the the architect of this of this park, he decided to make two thousand seven hundred and eleven slabs of concrete. Okay, so I guess a guy who uh, counted this uh, went on to counting bathroom tiles or who knows what, whatever. But 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 the the, the word spread, and uh, one person told another person until someone told a rabbi, there's two thousand seven hundred eleven slabs of concrete in this park, and the rabbi is like. It's impossible. Are you sure? What's 2,711? Rabbi was, was, was this 2,711 pages in the Talmud. Did the guy, did, did this guy Peter Eisman know about this? That was his idea. He had no idea. But but there's there's a plan, and there, and there's a, the Jewish people. Every Jew has a letter in the Torah. That's why it's so important when the baby is born. The second the baby is born, he's supposed to right away get a letter for the baby in the Torah, because everyone, the Jewish people in the Torah and Hashem are one. And so if something happens in the world it's it says says in the torah and the torah says it about you because we are the ones who fulfill and 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 make the torah happen when god created the world god said the first thing god said was i want partners in creation and who are the partners in creation that's us god says i can't be without you without you without me the half we're god's partners in making this world a home for us and god wanted the first thing he wants is one partners and therefore there's again there's no there's no date of when the Torah was given, the Torah was with us in the Inquisition, the Torah was with us in, in Germany, the Torah was with us in Egypt, the Torah was with us in Los Angeles, the Torah was with us everywhere and anywhere because that's what Torah is, Torah is the blueprint of creation and it gives us the, the, the guidance of how to create the beauty of what that specific uh, mosaic or that specific part of the puzzle, what, what, how to make that place, that moment and that thing just to shine. And uh, that's why we, we celebrate with the Torah and why God gave us the Torah because it's, um, it's, it's all about creating this big, big picture that we'll see after Mashiach will come. We'll see how it all, whatever we're doing, wherever we are, how, it, how, it, uh, how, how this, each, each mitzvah, how it contributes to the creating this, this, uh, this grand, uh, the grand picture of Hashem that the world was here for to begin with. So Chaim, we should see the Torah with joy and inspiration. Who remembers the, why, what joy and inspiration is about? Anyone remember those words? Joy and inspiration? Why we use those words? Two words that we're supposed to bless each other before receiving the Torah. We always bless each other with these two words. You should see the Torah with joy and inspiration. Joy and 
inwardness. That's the, those are the two words. The reason we these are words of the Rebbe who received them from the previous Rebbe, and they have very deep meaning. In one sentence: When a person gets disillusioned with something, a disillusioned relationship, disillusioned in in a business plan, disillusioned with anything, what happens is Chas was that your heart, part of your heart, like sort of dies, and your feelings get bottled up, and you're unable to express yourself, unable to feel, you get insensitive. So we have inside of us a love for Hashem, a love for Torah, a love for God, a love for all the right things. But when you're, when you're younger, you're more idealistic, and it's more easier to get in touch with that, and you get older, you get, just, get, get something can happen, it can make that get very old and rusty and, and not come out. But the power of joy is, the joy breaks boundaries. When a person has simcha, a person has joy, that allows all the good feelings inside to come out and to, and to, and to be present. So may Hashem help us receive the Torah with joy, and if we have the joy, automatically it will, will be inward, automatically, automatically it will become a holistic, total experience, will be totally present. So the blessing that ever gives us, the blessing we should give each other is receive the Torah with joy, and automatically that will give us inner inspiration. Automatically that will give us a uh, real connection to Hashem and Mashiach now, Machayim. Any questions, comments? Yes, 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 very familiar with my jokes. Thank you. No, no questions? Makes sense? Doesn't make sense?